Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Red Letters Sermon Series, which looks at the teachings and conversations of Christ in the Gospels. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's open our Bibles and let's go to Luke chapter number 7. Luke chapter 7 tonight is where we're going to be as we get into uh, the message uh, where we're at this evening in our Red Letter series, as Brian said, and we have been uh, just going through this, and really it's been a great uh, sermon series and something that I know has been a help uh, to me, and I hope that it's been a help to you. I want to ask you this question. The question I want to start with tonight is, have you ever heard the phrase, you need to appreciate what you have? Have you ever heard that phrase, you need to appreciate what you have. Uh, No doubt you've heard it. You've probably said it, uh, especially you parents out there. I know that you've said it to your child at one point or another. Hey, you need to appreciate what you have. Uh, You think about giving a child a gift. You ever given a child a gift and uh, maybe it's Christmas time or birthday time. You give them a gift and you begin to see them unwrap that gift. You know what? With a toddler, with a three-year-old, a four-year-old, you know what the best part of the gift is? The wrapping paper. Right, The wrapping paper is what they love. And I've told you, we've used the illustration before, but the wrapping paper is what they love. But as they grow older, they learn to appreciate what's underneath the wrapping paper, to appreciate what they really have. Think about a child or a five-year-old with money. If you took a five-year-old and you gave them a $100 bill, gave a five-year-old a $100 bill, you know what they're going to ask you? They're going to ask you, is this enough money to go to the dollar store? Is this enough money to buy that, uh, that new set, that Lego set like we talked about Sunday? Is this enough money to do that? But if you gave a $100 bill to a 15-year-old, man, they're going to appreciate the value of that a little bit more. To a 25-year-old, even more, 35. And as we grow in age, we're going to appreciate what we have. Well, tonight what we're going to do is we're going to jump back in our Red Letter series and we're going to look at a place in Scripture where I believe that Jesus really taught about appreciating what you have, understanding what you and I have in salvation, what we have in Jesus, and recognizing the need to appreciate it and to show that appreciation through love And through worship. And so tonight we're going to be in Luke chapter number seven. And so I want you to take your Bible and you can go to Luke chapter seven. We're going to read about 20 verses to get started tonight Luke seven, verse 30 through verse 50. And then we'll get right into the message tonight. And so Luke chapter seven, beginning in verse number 30, we read this. We read, But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized of him, of John. Let's kind of set the stage real quick uh, this evening. If you were to go, you would find out and discover that we're talking about John the Baptist. Jesus has just helped John overcome his doubt. And so this is connecting those two things. And so if you would look at verse number 31. And the Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? They are like unto children, sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned to you, and ye have not wept. For John the Baptist came, neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and ye say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man is come, eating and drinking, and ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Verse 35, But wisdom is justified of all her children. And one of the Pharisees, 
desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet, uh, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering. So this man, Simon, thought these thoughts in his head, and Jesus answered his thoughts and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he, Simon, this isn't Simon Peter, just a Simon the Pharisee. He saith, Master, say on. Jesus speaks. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou givest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Jesus speaks to this woman, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee, go in peace. Again, as we come to this portion of Scripture, we're going to discover Jesus using the questions of the Pharisees and the situation that we're going to see tonight. He uses this situation and this woman who comes in and uh, anoints him and washes his feet with ointment and tears. We're going to watch as Christ begins to use these situations to teach appreciating what you have appreciating what you have. And so tonight, we're going to be challenged with this. I think it'll be a help to us. And so let's start with a word of prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Wherever you are, why don't you just take a minute, and I want to give you an opportunity. Would you pray and ask God to speak to your heart tonight? You can pray something simple of, Dear God, please speak to my heart tonight. Just something simple. Dear God, please speak to my heart. And then would you make a commitment? God, if you speak to me tonight, I'm listening to you. Dear Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity we have to open your word. And God, I pray that you would help us as we uh, go through the service this evening. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray once again that you would use this passage to uh, shape our faith, that you would use it to strengthen our faith, and God, that you would use it to help us to have a greater appreciation for the salvation that you freely offer to all who will receive. 
Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. I pray, God, that you'd once again stir my heart. I just humble myself to you and recognize uh, my need of you tonight. I pray that you'd help me and use this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we can continue in the study of the words of Christ, if you were to go and kind of figure out where we are in the life of Christ, we've already determined that we're kind of in the early portion of his earthly ministry. Of course, he's called some followers, and uh, there's a number of the apostles that are already walking with him, though they're not titled apostles yet. They're kind of just disciples, but at this time, there's many disciples kind of following Christ and uh, multitudes in each area that he would go and teach that would begin to follow him. And as we come to the passage here, we find Jesus uh, going, have, having gone through the town of Capernaum and Nain. We saw that last week, and of course, a little bit before that, he had preached the Sermon on the Mount. And in Nain, he raised the widow's uh, uh, son. And in Capernaum, uh, we know that he healed the, uh, the centurion's servant. And so there was a lot that was, that was taking place. And Jesus, as we come to the portion of Scripture that we're in tonight, we find him entering, and this would be just after... Uh, or excuse me, also last week what we saw is John the Baptist. You'll remember John the Baptist sending messengers to Jesus and saying, are you really the Messiah? And we learned last week that everybody deals with doubt. Here's John, the one whom Jesus said was the greatest man, uh, greatest prophet born among women, and yet he was still doubting. And, and Jesus uses that doubt to teach John. And uh, man, we learned some great lessons last week that everyone deals with doubt. But when we deal with doubt, we need to direct our doubt to him, just like John did. He went right to the source. Uh, but then we understood last week that we need to allow the words of Christ, what he says to me and what he says about me, we need to allow that to speak into us and, and to encourage us and help us know his love for us. And uh, man, there's a number of other thoughts that we had last week, but this week what we're doing, we're coming right out of that conversation that has taken place. Jesus with uh, the disciples of John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. Jesus has just talked to them. They have just returned. Jesus turns to the people in that group. There's Pharisees that are there listening in. Jesus turns to them, says his words about John the Baptist. We read verse number 30 that the Pharisees kind of rejected John the Baptist. It's kind of just a commentary by Luke who wrote the passage. But then we find verse number 31 where Jesus begins to teach to the Pharisees. He says some things to the Pharisees, and as you jump down to verse number 36, we find the story just kind of flowing right together. As soon as Jesus uh, finishes the conversation, a Pharisee invites him over for dinner. Now, this would be customary. You could go and and discover uh, a lot of things about Jesus being invited to dinners and, and uh, different uh, religious leaders that would be invited to dinners. But for a Pharisee, it wasn't uncommon for them to invite other leaders or people that they would maybe see as having some sort of rank or position, they would invite them over to a meal. Now you say, what's the difference? Maybe you're watching tonight. You say, well, who is a Pharisee? What are they? A Pharisee would be a religious leader of that day. They were seen to be religious. And though they really missed uh, almost all of what God had intended in the scripture, but they were just seen as those who knew the law, who knew religion. And so this Pharisee, if you were to go, these Pharisees, they were follower, following Jesus, but they weren't following him to learn of him. They weren't following Jesus to become friends with him. They weren't following him because they thought he was the, the Messiah. No, many of them were following Jesus because they wanted to find fault with him. 
And uh, we've, we've talked about that much before in our services, that a Pharisee, that's what a Pharisee does best. They try to find fault. And uh, there's a lot of Pharisees still today. And maybe you tonight can think of a Pharisee in your life. And probably some of us are thinking, oh, I, I know a Pharisee who's like that in my life. But I heard one man say it a long time ago that we need to be careful because there's a little Pharisee in all of us. There's a little Pharisee in all of us that likes to find fault with other people. And isn't that the truth? That we can very easily find fault with someone else before we find fault with ourselves. Well, we need to know tonight that these Pharisees, they were trying to find fault with Jesus. And as they were trying to find fault with Jesus, we know from Scripture that they never found it. They never found that. But what's amazing to me in this portion of Scripture is as the Pharisees are trying to find fault, we see Jesus responding in love. Well, how do we see that? Well, he knows their motives. He knows why the Pharisee is inviting, them over, inviting him over for dinner. And yet, what does he do? He still goes over to dinner. I don't know about you and me, but if we knew something was a trap, you know, someone was trying to find fault with us and they invited us uh, to their house, I mean, I'm more likely to say, no, I'm not, I'm not going there. No, you're just, trying to, you're just trying to pin me in. You're just trying to find fault with me. No, I'm not going to go to dinner. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus goes to dinner, I believe, because he was, uh, he, was, uh, he was loving these Pharisees. Just, I mean, the Bible tells us that he loves everyone, and he was showing love to the Pharisees. He wasn't showing approval of their motives, but he was trying to show grace and still trying to draw them in. And what a great truth teaching us what Peter said, that God's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so here's what you have. You've got Simon, the Pharisee, inviting Jesus over for dinner. As he invites Jesus over for dinner, we find that what takes place is other people begin to pile into this dinner. During that time, it would be common for a Pharisee, someone who had maybe some uh, notoriety within the community, their house would have a courtyard and it wouldn't be a courtyard like a front lawn like we would think. It would be a courtyard that would be like just a big living room area. Some of it would be open aired. Some of it would maybe just be a, an enclosed room. But in this, in this room or this area, there would be access from many different points, whether that was windows or maybe just a little open area where people can see in or a doorway. But regardless of what it was, we know that this courtyard was a place where anybody walking by, if... The, if, somebody, if the Pharisee was having someone over, they'd be able to see in. And the Pharisees wanted that. They wanted people to be able to see in and to hear what was taking place. And so, especially if they had a distinguished guest. So here's this Pharisee, Simon, with Jesus, the distinguished guest, sitting and eating in a courtyard. And we find the entering in of this lady, this lady with the alabaster box. She comes in and she anoints Christ and she uh, sheds tears at his feet and wipes, washes his feet and anoints him with this oil. And there's so much taking place here. But what I want us to discover tonight is I want us to learn that how Jesus uses the actions of this lady and the circumstances around to teach a very important lesson. I want you to take your Bible tonight and notice first off the Lord teaching that faith brings forgiveness. Faith brings forgiveness. I want you to notice a few things about the passage in this woman tonight. As we come to Luke chapter number 7, you find yourself in verse 37 describing something about this lady. 
Notice what it says when it says in Luke 7, 37, behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. A woman in, a, in the city, which was a sinner. Now, we don't know much about this lady except for the commentary that Luke gives us right here. She was a sinner. Now, many people believe, and uh, you can go and see it in some of the wording of the sentence, that many people believe that this woman was probably a prostitute. She was one who was known for her sinful lifestyle within the community. She was known as a woman of the streets. So she was known as someone that people would have, avoid, uh, have avoided, especially the Pharisees. They would avoid her. And we see this in the Pharisee spirit. Luke 7, 39, he just says, if Jesus knew, man, if Jesus really was a prophet, if he was who he says he was, he would know what type of woman this was. And so we know that this was a wicked and a, a sinful woman. But she had something in common with all of us. And that's the fact that we're all sinners. Galatians 3.22 lines it out for us when it says, but the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. The scripture hath concluded all under sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know what? We all have something in common with this woman. Oh, it may be different types of sin, but every one of us, we're a sinner. But I want you to notice four incredible words that Jesus says to this woman in our passage. If you jump down to Luke chapter 7 and verse number 48, Jesus says these, these four words, thy sins are forgiven. Thy sins are forgiven. Man, those are four powerful words, aren't they? Four very powerful words, thy sins are are forgiven. Jesus says to her, hey, every sin that you have ever done, it's forgiven. Now, some would look at this and say, well, that's because she washed Jesus' feet. That's why her sins were forgiven. I don't believe that to be true. If you jump down two more verses, you read this in Luke 7, 50. He, Jesus, said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Thy faith hath saved thee. Do you know what brought forgiveness into that woman's life? It was her faith. She came to Jesus in faith. She came to him seeing him as the Messiah, seeing him as the solution to her problem. And what do we see God saying to her? Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, he says to her, hey, your sins are forgiven you. Thy faith hath saved thee. You know what? This woman, because she had faith, she found forgiveness. Forgiveness was always there for her. Forgiveness was extended to her, but she had to come in faith. And as soon as she came in faith, she discovered the same truth that you and I can discover, the fact that faith makes Christ's forgiveness personal. You see, her faith made Christ's forgiveness personal. That forgiveness, it was already there for her, but when she came in faith to Christ... His forgiveness was brought into her life. His forgiveness was made 
personal in her life. And can I just tell you tonight that the truth still applies to you and I, that it is only by putting our faith in Jesus Christ that we can receive his forgiveness. Man, we, we do not find forgiveness, uh, the forgiveness of God for our sin. We don't find that in a baptistry. We don't find that in church attendance. We don't find that uh, in being good and doing good deeds or good works. We don't find forgiveness in any of those things. No, we find forgiveness in the person of Jesus Christ when we come to him by faith. Forgiveness is there, but it doesn't belong to me unless I come to him by faith, turning and putting my faith and my trust in him. And I would tell you tonight that if you're watching and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, can I just, can I urge you, can I encourage you really with, if you were in front of me, I'd beg you tonight, you need to put your faith and trust with him. Why? Because it is only your faith and my faith in Christ that brings forgiveness. Man, that forgiveness comes only as we put our faith in Christ, the word forgiveness in this passage uh, means to be sent away, to be disregarded, to be omitted. Jesus is saying, hey, thy sins are sent away. They are disregarded. They are omitted. And when you and I put our faith in Christ, the same belongs to us. Man, once we have put our faith in Christ, our sins are as far as the east is from the west. Psalm 103, verse number 12, as far as the sin, or as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions, our sins from us. Man, aren't you thankful tonight? Those of you that know Christ as your Savior, aren't you thankful for the simple truth that faith brings forgiveness? Man, I see tonight not only does faith bring forgiveness, but I want you to understand tonight also. Well, you know what? Before I move on, let me give you just a, qu a quick thought, and I, I don't mean to rush or, or miss something, but I want to give you a quote. There's an um, old, uh, well-known secular humanist. Um, some of you might remember the name Marganita Lasky. She was an author and different things. Marganita Lasky, she was interviewed a number of years ago. This was back in, oh goodness, probably the 60s or 70s. Uh, she was interviewed by a Christian interviewer, and here's what she said. She said, what I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me. And what a statement. What a statement. What I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me. Can I tell you tonight that forgiveness is something that you and I need to recognize and understand. It didn't happen because of who we are. It simply happens because of who Jesus is. He says, it's offered to you. All you need to do is put your faith in me. Faith brings forgiveness. Notice, secondly tonight, forgiveness brings love. Faith brings forgiveness. Forgiveness brings love. Back in our passage, as we see the scene unfold, we find the scrutiny of the Pharisees to become very apparent in our passage. If you were to go to verses 41 through 47, Jesus is answering the thoughts of Simon. Remember Simon's scrutiny? Man, if Jesus knew who this guy, if Jesus knew who she was, he would not let her touch him. He would not let her wash his feet. He wouldn't let her do that. There's, they're just kind of, again, trying to find fault with Christ. And Jesus begins to teach them in this moment the thought that forgiveness brings love. How does he teach this? Well, he gives the story or the illustration, the parable, uh, which is an earthly story with a heavenly meeting. He says, hey, there's two guys that owe a fella some money. One owes, we'll just say for the sake of uh, illustration, one owes $50 and one owes $500. 
Neither one of them could pay. Neither one of them could pay the debt they owed. So the, the creditor, the one who they owed the debt to, he forgave them. He says, you know what? I'll forgive both of you. And then Jesus proposes a question to uh, uh, Simon. Which of the two do you think was more grateful or showed more love for the forgiveness they received? And Simon answers and says, well, I, I assume the, the one who owed 500 bucks. And Jesus says, well, you've answered good. Look at the passage. Notice what Jesus said. Verse number uh, 44. He turned to the woman and said unto Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she's washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. And then he goes on and says, she hasn't ceased to kiss me. Verse number six, she hasn't ceased to anoint my oil or anoint my head with oil or my feet with oil, excuse me. And notice verse number seven, 47. He says, wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. You know what Jesus does here is Jesus uses this time to teach that when you know you've been forgiven, love will be a product of that knowledge. What I want us to see is this, just a simple little thought and quote. This parable is not dealing with the amount of, of sin and forgiveness in one's life, but the awareness of sin and forgiveness in one's life. Christ wasn't wanting the Pharisee to leave the conversation and think, wow, that woman was really forgiven for a lot of sins. I'm glad I don't have that much sin to be forgiven of. That was already their thinking. We're not as bad as they are, but that's not what Jesus is trying to point out. No, what Christ is trying to point out is the fact that when you recognize that you've been forgiven, love will be the product of that recognition. You see, if Jesus was trying to help them understand uh, the, the amount of sin, then he would be contradicting what he was going to teach and what he has already taught. Because Jesus has said, hey, if you break one law, it's just like breaking all of them. If you're guilty of one sin, you're, you're a sinner. So Jesus wasn't trying to bring in the comparison of the amount of sin, even though we see a 500 and a 50 used. No, Jesus is trying to focus in on the awareness. Hey, you know why she's so, you know why she loves me? Because she recognizes the forgiveness that I, that's in me. Simon and this woman, they were both great sinners, just like me and you, but the only difference was this woman, she recognized her sin, whereas Simon, he didn't. Her sins maybe were known to everybody, while Simon's perhaps were a little unknown. But regardless of how much sin was known by people or how much sin wasn't known by people in Simon's life, we need to understand that Jesus came in and is trying to help Simon see that you are both in need of forgiveness, but she recognizes it. And because she recognizes the forgiveness I've given, she loves me in a greater way. Can I say this tonight, that when you know forgiveness is freely given to you, it is going to provoke love from you. When you and I realize how much he loves us and has forgiven us, the action it should bring out in our life or the, the uh, uh, character trait, the spirit that it should bring out in our life should be a spirit 
of love. You see Christ's wording in verse number uh, 47, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Uh, this fra- what this phrasing means here is this, her sins, which are many, are forgiven because of this, because of the forgiveness, she has loved much. Because she's aware of her forgiveness, she loves in a great way. You see, the person who's not recognizing the forgiveness that they have, they love little. But the person who's aware of the forgiveness that's been given to them, they love much. It's like that child who's unaware of the value of their $100. Until they know and are aware of the value of it, they don't appreciate it. There's a lot of believers that are walking around out there that don't understand the value of the forgiveness that we've been given. Some believers are walking around, though they believe in Christ, they're living like the Pharisee. Well, I don't have that much sin to forgive. And so the response is not a spirit of love back to the Lord, not a, not a motive of love back to the Lord. The entire reason that this woman bowed and washed the, the Lord's feet, the act of worship that we're going to see in just a second was based upon the motive or the spirit of love because forgiveness provokes love. It brings love. I see tonight that faith brings forgiveness. I see forgiveness brings love. But I want you to notice also tonight that love, it brings worship. Love brings worship. In our passage, of course, the word worship, it means to ascribe worth to. Don't you notice how our passage opens up with this woman in Luke 7, 37 and 38. It says, Behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. This woman, she showed her love by, by this act of worship to the Lord. She came and bowed before him, and she broke this alabaster box, the contents of which were an ointment. Many people believe that this would be a very expensive perfume, and this would uh, perhaps even be up to a year's salary worth of perfume that she brings in this uh, perhaps white marble box. Many look at that and say that that's what it would be, and it contained this ointment. She came and she broke that box over his feet, anointing him, uh, ascribing worth to him, saying, Jesus, I see you as worth but the sacrifice of this year's salary. Well, why would she do that? Well, she knew, I, I believe this in Jesus' teaching, she knew that she was loved by him. She knew that Jesus loved sinners. I mean, it had already been spread around that Jesus eats with publicans and sinners. That's what got us into this is Jesus teaching that. And we'll see that in just a second. So she knew, she had to have known the love that Jesus had for everybody. And based upon that and her knowing him to be the Messiah and his love for her and perhaps the forgiveness that he could give her. And so what does she do? She comes in and in an act of, uh, of humility, she sees her unworthiness and she begins to worship and it's interesting to me that we don't read of this we don't read of this woman saying anything during the situation. She never spoke a single word. No, her act of worship was completely shown in her actions. And her love it was shown in worship and that worship was shown in actions. 
she in faith came to worship him and to show him her love to him and her understanding of who he was. Can I tell you tonight this simple truth that love, it brings worship. Not only in words, but in actions. Many believers today want to talk about how much they love the Lord, but action doesn't back it up. There isn't a life that shows worship. And I'm not talking about the things that we do. Well, if you love him, then you'll do this and do this and don't do this and do that. No, no, no. If I love him, I'm going to figure out how can my life ascribe worth or show people or show him that he means something to me. My love isn't going to be just demonstrated through do's and don'ts. No, no, no. That's not understanding love. You see, we love him because he first loved us. And we love him not based upon who we are, but based upon who he is. And the truth then brings it down to the fact that that love is going to provoke action and worship. It's going to help me to step back and say, I want to show the Lord my love today. How do I do it? How do I ascribe worth to him? Many believers just try to explain how much God means to them. And yet this woman, she showed how much God means to her. We don't see this woman today coming in and saying, you know, I have an alabaster box at home. I'm, I'd be willing to give it. You know, I, I, I know that he's the Messiah. I, I have this precious ointment at home. I'd be willing to come in. I'd be willing to wash his feet. I can't believe nobody else is. I'd be willing to do that. We don't see her in a bunch of talk. We see her love showing up in action, that love showing up in worship. Jesus Christ meant something to her. It's like the psalmist wrote in Psalm 95 and verse number six, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. The psalmist understood the simple thought that when you love the Lord, there is going to be a heart of worship that follows through with action. I see tonight that faith, it brings forgiveness Forgiveness brings or provokes love. Love is going to be shown or it brings action. But I want you to see tonight that pride brings blindness. Pride brings blindness. If you were to go to our passage where we begin in verse 30, down through verse number 35 of Luke chapter number 7, You would read Jesus saying about the Pharisees, verse number 30, the Pharisees, they, uh, the, the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves to their own detriment, being not baptized of him. Hey, John came in, this is Luke's commentary, John came in. And the Pharisees, they looked at John and they, they saw the works that John did. They heard the message that he preached. They, I believe the Pharisees knew that he had been sent from God. If you go study uh, uh, the book of Luke where John first appears and then John chapter 1 and Mark, you find that the Pharisees, they knew those things and yet they rejected him. They said, no, he's not of us. No, he's not of God. He's just a, he's, he's a crazy man. And they rejected him. And that's what Jesus says. Look at verse 31. The Lord said, whereunto shall I liken the men of this generation? He's speaking about mainly the Pharisees and the uh, Sadducees and the publicans and the uh, folks, the, the lawyers and such, those religious leaders. He's saying, what do I compare them to? And to what are they alike? What are they like? Verse 32, notice what he says. He says, they're, they're like unto children 
sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another and saying, we have piped unto you and ye have not danced. We have mourned to you and ye have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine and ye say he hath a devil. Hey, the publicans and sinners, when John the Baptist came, he upheld the law and didn't do these things and, and you look at him and say, man, he, he's, he's crazy, he's possessed. But then verse number 34, the son of man speaking of Jesus, he comes and he'll actually sit down at a meal with the publicans and sinners. And what do you say about him? Well, you say that he's a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber and a friend of publicans and sinners. You know what Jesus is doing? He's saying, you know what I like? You, I'm, I'm wondering what I would like, liken them to. What would I compare them to? Oh, I know. I'd compare them to children. Childish children. Not childlike children. I'd compare them to childish children. Well, what do you mean? He said, they're, they're like little kids, Little kids sitting in the street and saying, yeah, well, I did this and you're not playing with me. Yeah, well, we did this and you're not playing with us. They're, they're just like childish children out there. And he's referring to the publicans and the scribes and the Pharisees saying, hey, they're acting childish and nothing pleases them. You see, John the Baptist was an individual of a, a stern message of judgment and, and uh, lived this life that they would look at. And if he was any other person, they would look at him and say, wow, there's a, there's a good guy. There's a guy who loves the Lord. There's a guy who loves God. But what did the Pharisees and, and uh, lawyers do? They looked at him and said, man, he's demon-possessed. But then you have Jesus on the other hand. And he's eating with publicans and sinners. That, he's, he, he wasn't afraid to go to Zacchaeus' house, the publican. He wasn't afraid to go to Levi or Matthew's house and sit down at a meal. Jesus wasn't afraid to have this woman, this prostitute, wash his feet out of an act of worship. He wasn't afraid of that. And they would look and say, wow, he's a, he's, he's a gluttonous man. He's crazy. He's a wine-bibber. He eats with publicans and sinners. Man, he's a sinful, he's a sinful uh, degradation. Man, who is this guy? You know, Jesus is looking at and saying, they're just confused. They're childish. Well, why were the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the lawyers and the scribes, why were they so childish? I believe this. It's because of their pride. Jesus was always drawing attention to the pride of the Pharisees. Well, what is this passage helping us see? It's this truth that pride is blinding. Pride is blinding. You see, it was because of their pride they missed John the Baptist. If you were to go and read up on John the Baptist's life, the Pharisees came out to hear him, and their pride held them back from listening. And here's what they said. They said, how is he getting all these crowds? Listen to his message. He's not saying some great words. Yeah. We, we, need to, we need to stop something because if he gets more crowds, he's going to be more popular than us. It was their pride. Jesus comes along. See, man, listen to his words. He teaches like nobody else. How can someone teach like that except they be sent from God? Man, look, he's getting crowds too. And because of their pride, they rejected Christ. Well, pride, tonight I want us to understand this, pride is blinding. Pride often blinds us from what's staring right back, right back at us in the face. And these Pharisees, these scribes, these 
lawyers and sinners, they didn't comprehend, they didn't understand what they had in Christ. Did you know people who want to avoid the truth about themselves can always find something in someone else to criticize? Well, why do we do that? Pride. That's a way to justify ourselves. You see, pride says, I'm better than you. Notice verse 35. Jesus says this, but wisdom is justified of all her children. Well, what is he saying? Verse 35 states that true godly wisdom will actually be justified. It will be shown in those who have it. You say, Pastor, help that make some sense. The Pharisees claimed wisdom, but they were walking in pride, missing what was in Jesus Christ. Missing forgiveness, missing love, missing the opportunity to worship the very Son of God, the one, the Messiah to whom they were looking for. They missed it. Why? Pride. They said, we're wise, but their wisdom wasn't shown in their actions. And yet Jesus knew that in just a few minutes after he would say this, a prostitute would come in to wash his feet. A sinful woman would come in to wash his feet and to anoint his feet. And he knew what he's about to teach them. And it's this, hey, you want real wisdom? She has real wisdom. Why? Because she's showing with her actions what she sees in the Messiah. In this passage, Christ is trying to teach the Pharisees about, one, about understanding what they have. There's so many different things we could learn, but I believe one of the truths is this. Those Pharisees, they were so proud, and they missed who Christ was. They missed what he was offering. But this sinner shows up, and she got it. She understood that forgiveness was offered to her. And so in faith, she came to him. She showed her love to him, and she worshiped him. She was aware of her unworthiness to the point that it provoked a response of love and worship. You see, tonight she appreciated what she had. I wonder tonight about us. Do we appreciate what we have in Christ? Do we look to Jesus and recognize, man, I'm a sinner that he forgave simply because I came to him in faith. So because of that, Lord, I want to love you in a greater way. I want to worship you every day. Do we have that spirit that says, I recognize and I appreciate what I have in Christ? Or are we like the Pharisees, blinded to what we have because of our own pride? Well, I'm not that bad. Well, I know Jesus forgave me, but really, I, you know, I, I was raised in a Christian family. I wasn't that bad. Or tonight, do we understand, man, I know that without Jesus, I'm on my way to hell. Without Christ, I would be nothing. And so, God, thank you, thank you for your forgiveness. God, help me. Help me to love you in a greater way and to show you through a life that ascribes worth to you. Tonight, I want to encourage you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let his forgiveness 
provoke a greater love and a greater worship of him. But tonight, if you're here and you are watching and you don't know Christ as your savior, I would ask everyone that question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your savior? Do you know that you have a relationship with God? Do you know that he is in your life? If you don't, tonight that forgiveness that she received the forgiveness that I received, the forgiveness that many others has received, have received, it can be yours tonight if you simply would come in faith to Jesus, asking him to forgive you of your sin, to be your savior, putting your faith in him, not in who you are or what you've done, but putting your faith completely in his work of the death, burial, and resurrection when he was crucified for your sin. And tonight, you could have that forgiveness if you put your faith in him. But if you do know Christ, tonight I want to encourage you. Would you make the decision, Lord, help me to recognize what I have in you. Help me to appreciate it. Help me to love you in a greater way. Help me to ascribe worth to you. Faith brings forgiveness. Forgiveness, it provokes love. And love, it's going to provoke worship. But our pride can blind us from all of that. Tonight, let's humble our hearts and realize, God, I'm so thankful for what I have in you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.